Well, thank you for coming tonight. It's a blessing to be here. And uh, we have a tremendous connection to Faith Baptist Church, Palm Bay, Florida. And uh, I was coming to Florida and I called Pastor Aaron and I said, can I come on Sunday and preach and share a ministry report? And uh, so he graciously opened his doors. I didn't know it's been a revolving door of a bunch of missionaries running in, Pastor. I don't know if I'm last in line or first in line, but I got in line. Hallelujah, right? That's what counts. Um, but I just want to say a huge thank you. And Pastor, you're doing a fantastic job here. I've been supported through this church through three pastors now. <laughs> Let's make you the last, all right? <laughs> no, but um, your church does something that's unique, and that is you do that newsletter, right? Okay, so my home church, which is in Rowlett, Texas, just outside of Dallas, my father-in-law has been my pastor for many, many years, and his health is going downhill rapidly, even as we speak tonight. And my wife is with him right now, and he's having all kinds of health issues. And so we needed a new pastor, right? So we didn't want some old guy. We wanted a young guy, right? Just like y'all did. So what I've done is, uh, excuse me without getting your permission, I've been sending your newsletters to my new pastor saying, this is what you need to do. <laughs> He's sick of it by now. <laughs> so anyway, one day he needs to drive down here, and uh, I need to tell you his name after service. Maybe you actually know him, but uh, small world. But I have a huge uh, place in my heart for this church because Jenny Goldstein is sitting here. Can you lift your hand? Okay, the reason why we are partners with this church is because of her and her husband, Jeff Goldstein, were led to Christ by my parents, who are sitting right here, raise your hand, and my parents led them to Christ back in 1981, long, long time ago. <laughs> And uh, Brother Jeff is watching. He's streaming the service this evening. <laughs> he has graduated to glory, so he has to watch from up top, okay? And uh, he found out I was going into missions because I'd pastored in the States for a long time, and then I went on one too many mission trips. And, uh, and so anyway, <laughs> that's what happened to me. Anyway, and so um, thank you very much. And... Um, you know, Jeff was the guy that loved to go to Harbor Freight and buy those $1 light switches that are operated with batteries. And he sent them to me because over there, you know, the electricity goes out all the time. And I took him to the mountain town that has like no electricity. And I was like, wow, he doesn't even realize this is a sermon illustration. Light of the world, baby. <laughs> and so, Jeff, your light is still shining. Amen. And also, I want to say a huge thank you to John Conrad because I've received two phone calls from John Conrad that have changed my life. And they've all been good. <laughs> the first time was when he called me and he said, Hey, Brother Earl, um, I've got Christmas bags. Would you like them? I'm like, what do you mean would I like them? I've got more kids than I have opportunities. And uh, so back in 2008, 17, he calls me, or 2018, he calls me and says, hey, 
we're sending you a hundred bags. Turns out it was like a hundred and three and they were bags. Well, I had one little church in Oklahoma sending me these boxes down in these plastic things. 10% of them would be broken. Stuff was everywhere and you can't put much in there. And then I get the bags from Faith Baptist. I was like, woo! That has gone. Now, this past year, we received a total of 776 bags. And I tell everybody, don't put them in them plastic box. Let me show you how to do it. And so it keeps growing. And what that does is it gives us an opportunity to share the gospel. Let me explain something to you, okay? Everybody knows Operation Christmas Child, right? You send off your box. You don't know who's getting that. You know, you send your bag to me. I'll show you the kid getting it. And, and always remember this, when you give something to somebody that has nothing, it'll change your life. You know, in America, we say, well, it's a lean year, we ain't going to have much under the tree. You know, we say that in America, there ain't going to be. Poor people don't even have a tree, okay? There's no tree. There's no There's no lights. You're giving gifts to kids and sharing the love of Jesus. You're being the hands and feet of Jesus, which gives me an opportunity to share the love of Christ. I'm telling you, it's worth it. And so I just want to say a huge thank you. And uh, one more thing that happened last year, I don't know if you remember this, but Pastor Caleb had me on a Zoom call. Zoom, Zoom, right? And I Zoomed in here. And, uh, and I talked to y'all, and that was such a blessing. And then the next thing I know, uh, we needed another church van. Faith Baptist sent us $5,000 for the church van. I just drove it yesterday. Woo! <laughs> I just flew in last night. So anyway, now, on a sad note, we've got political crisis going on between Dominican and Haiti. And um, I was supposed to have Pastor Marcelin with me tonight. He was supposed to fly with me yesterday. And uh, President Abinader, he shut the, the, the border off because of conflict. And so anyway, he couldn't get across the border. And um, two weeks ago, Brother John Conrad's ministry partner, Rodney Fitzsimmons, was just with me. Brother John, did you see him in the video? Yeah, because I just, I just made that video. And uh, anyway, uh, Brother Rodney is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. We call him the white Haitian. <laughs> yeah, I say it. And, uh, I said, if you can understand what I'm saying, raise your hand. Two ladies raised your hand. <laughs> Woo! Oh, man. Pastor, you didn't know we were going to have the gift of tongues up in the Baptist house. He's speaking in tongues. But, Pastor, we had a translator, okay, too. Amen. 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 See, amen. We, we, amen. She gave me a little what for. But anyway. No, no, she said it's not hard, you know. So, 
you know, all these years I've been doing Spanish ministry, and um, man, the Lord just knocked on my door one day and said, well, what about them? What about them? And then I'm trying to invite Funa to church in Spanish, and she's just smiling. <laughs> and I keep saying, por favor, visítanos en la iglesia. Yo quiero por usted y tu familia para visitarnos, para aprender la Biblia. Y por qué tú no puedes venir? And her husband, Wilbur, was working on the building. He goes, pastor, pastor. I said, ¿qué? <laughs> Ella no puede entenderte. She cannot understand you. So what did I do? I started speaking slower. <laughs> That's what Americans do. They think if you speak slower. Ella no puede entenderme. And uh, so in nine days, I will have one year of intensive Haitian Creole study. And let me just tell you, speaking in tongues, this past Wednesday night, I preached in Spanish at our Spanish church. Thursday night, I preached in Creole at our Creole church. Tonight, I'm preaching in English. I don't know what's going to happen up here tonight. <laughs> I don't know where it's going to come out. Uh, but I, I do want to share with you uh, very briefly a word from the Lord in the book of Acts, chapter 26, if you'd be so kind. Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. And I want to speak to you tonight about the subject called a personal commission. A personal commission. As you find your way to the book of Acts, chapter 26. Now, I grew up in a missionary household. I remember when I was eight years old and my dad said, Boys, pack your stuff. We're moving to Japan. I said, Japan? Nihongo Shabaru? No, I do not speak Japanese. Don't be that impressed, okay? <laughs> Did anybody speak Japanese? Anyway, and... Uh, he moved, my mom and my older brother and myself, and we moved to Japan. And I began the journey of cross-cultural living as a kid and didn't even know it. Well, since I was a little kid, I heard about the Great Commission. We just sang about the Great Commission. And it's emphasized why it's a commandment of Christ. What I would like to share with you tonight is how the Apostle Paul received a personal commission to carry out the Great Commission. And I'm going to go as far to say that tonight, if you are a child of God, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you too have a personal commission. And, and your commission is going to look a little different than my commission. Mine's going to look a little different than your commission. We got two ladies here tonight that they can speak Haitian Creole. So the next time we have a Haitian visitor, we can speak to them. And the reality is, is that if you claim the name of Christ, you too have a personal commission. Now, in order to preach this tonight, I need to jump right into the middle of Paul giving his testimony. He has been convicted of a crime. And the crime was saying that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. 
and they arrested him. They tried to kill him, and he's standing before King Agrippa and Festus, and he's about to defend himself. And while he's defending himself, he shares his testimony. And I'm going to show you in the middle of his testimony how you too can apply the personal commission to carry out the great commission in your own life. Now I'm going to be reading just verses 12 through 23, 12 through 23 of the book of Acts chapter 26. Starting in the middle of his testimony, Paul says, Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining around me, about me, and them which journeyed with, with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me, having therefore obtained help of God. I continued unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people, to the Gentiles. I want to show you seven things from this passage tonight of how you too can apply a personal commission to fulfill the Great Commission. If you're going to have a personal commission, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to prepare yourself. What do I mean by prepare? What I mean by prepare is look what happened to the Apostle Paul. He was walking 
down, or he was riding his horse down the road. He was going to Damascus. He was ready to arrest more Christians. And all of a sudden, God got his attention through an unexpected encounter, through a confrontation of truth, knocked him off his high horse, all those that were with him, and he had a decision to make. And the decision was this. Who are you going to follow? Whose authority are you going to follow? It's interesting that he says that he had authority to go and to arrest. Well, what does the word commission mean? Actually, the word commission means it's a person or group of people who are entrusted with authority to go and do something. They have authority to go and do something. I don't have authority to stand here tonight and proclaim the word of God, but the one who sent me has authority, and I'm coming here tonight on his behalf. Is that okay? And the apostle Paul was going through his conversion. He had to prepare himself or he wasn't going to receive a personal commission. If you're here tonight and you've never entered the family of God and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't get a personal commission until you join the team. Hello? I, I teach people baptism. You saw the baptistry that we have in the Dominican. We have what's called a pool party for Jesus in the patio. Where our pool is so big, we all get in there. Ali, Ali, income free. And then we don't have stairs. I'm like, why didn't we build stairs? I don't know. So what do you do? You make do. So I hop in first, and then we pull the pool of Bethesda. Remember the lame dude couldn't get in? And he said, how do I get in except somebody help me? I'm like, well, we help them in. And then we help them out. We're just trying to be Bible. Is that Okay. And we all get in there and we baptize them. And you saw the reaction on their face. Why? Because they met Jesus. They had a personal encounter. They prepared themselves. If you want a personal commission from God, you've got to prepare yourself. First of all, you've got to enter the family of God. Second of all, you've got to listen. Hey, great job. You came to church tonight. The Lord may even speak to you. Not only that, then the Lord tells him, as he says, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. You know, if you're not for God, you know you're against God, right? It, it's not, well, he was a good person. No, if you're, if you're not on team Jesus, the Bible says you're actually an enemy. I, I didn't say that. I don't want to offend you. But the reality is, is that come on in. The water's great. You've got to prepare yourself. And then Jesus tells him, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. I want you to speak up. And I want you to go up. And that's what he's telling him. You know the rule of preaching, right? Pastor, since you're young and everything, let me help you with the rule of preaching. This is what I learned early on when I was a young preacher. Here's, there's three rules of preaching. Stand up, speak up, and shut up. Because, you know, long-winded. <laughs> the reality is we've got to stand up, we've got to speak up, and we've got to go up. Because he said, where I now send thee, I'm going to send you. So you've got to prepare yourself. Are you ready? Are, is God speaking to you tonight about doing something? Hey, great job, church. You're putting your money where your mouth is. Wow, what a budget. What an emphasis. What a biblical emphasis. See, y'all don't get to visit other churches like I do. Let me tell you something. 
Bien hecho, well done. Très bien, good job. So, number two, if you're going to have a personal commission, you've got to have orders. What's the command? In verse 18, the Apostle Paul is told, you're going to open their eyes spiritually. You're going to turn them from darkness to light. You're going to leave them, you're going to tell them about leaving the power of Satan to go to the power of God. You're going to tell them about the forgiveness of sins. You're going to teach the Gentiles about a spiritual heritage. You're going to preach that Jesus will proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. I was just explaining on Thursday night as I was preaching in Creole, do you know who the Gentiles are? And they looked at me, and I said, that's us. We're the Gentiles. And the gospel has been expanded to us, and we get to take a part of it. And if your personal commission involves your orders and you're doing them, great job. And then not only do you got to prepare yourself, you got to know what your orders are. Number three, you got to obey. You got to obey. What does verse 19 say? Paul said to a heathen, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You know what? Praise God for some people that follow the vision of God. I mean, think about this. If my mom and dad had not followed the heavenly vision for their personal commission years ago to leave their home, move us to Japan, transition from Japanese full-time ministry to the military personnel and go to Yokota Air Force Base in Yokota, Japan when I was a kid and start uh, ministering to the military personnel, go out on visitation, meet this little Jewish man named Jeff Goldstein who talks a lot. Amen? <laughs> and then it's like, wow. You know that verse in the Bible where it says, I want you to have fruit that may abound? You're, you're seeing a little glimpse of spiritual fruit because somebody was obedient to their heavenly vision. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life. I'm thankful my dad followed that call because the whole reason why I'm in the Dominican Republic is because Jeff Goldstein's friend, Ronnie Autry, and his Filipino wife, Chona, were friends with Jenny and Jeff on the same Air Force base in Japan. And Jeff tells Ronnie, who they work together, you got to meet Pastor Hammonds, my dad. And so they go over and they knock on the door, and Jeff's knocking on the door. Hey, Ronnie, we know you're in there. And he was hiding. He was hiding. No, I'm not even joking. He turned the lights off. This is his testimony. <laughs> they thought he was trying to sell them some. And then, lo and behold, finally, they opened the door, let him in in more ways than one. When they let him in, they let Christ in to save their souls. And all those years later, after Ronnie left the military, he went to Bible college and felt the call to become a missionary, and then he moves down to the Dominican Republic. And then all those years later, I'm a pastor in the States, and I say, hey, I'm going to bring down a group, and do a mission trip. And God changed it all. 
And he said, you don't get to pastor Americans anymore. Air condition? What's that? <laughs> it's nice up in here. You know, I can't be wearing a jacket when I preach over there. The jacket's got to come off. As a matter of fact, I decided this last week, the pastor's getting a fan on the platform because I'm just sweating bullets. They're not sweating. They think it's great. Hey, gringo, americano, me bezue, yo bantile. I need a fan. And so the reality is, is that that heavenly vision has got to be obeyed. And by the way, it's not always easy. But boy, it's worth it. I can tell you that right now. Because it was in November of 2018 that I went to Another missionary in the same city. I live in a city of 674,000 people. Then the surrounding area is 1.5 million. This other missionary, he had started a Haitian church. And he said, uh, Brother Lonnie, they call me Lonnie over there. He goes, Brother Lonnie, I want you to come and, uh, and preach. I said, okay, I'm up for that. Love to preach. So I get over there and I say, all right, who's going to translate? And so Pastor Dial, Pastor Dial's going to translate for me. I said, praise the Lord. So I get up and the service begins. And the Haitian people start coming in. Now this is on the Dominican side. Okay, it's not in Haiti. It's on my side of the island. And they, they keep coming in. They keep coming in. I get up to preach, you know, because... Um, they were arriving different times for various reasons. So by the time I get up to preach, the auditorium is packed. And I get up there and I'm preaching in Spanish and Pastor Dial is translating in Creole. And I, I told everybody there because, see, they're foreigners in the Dominican Republic and I'm a foreigner in the Dominican Republic. And you know what I told them that night? I said, hey, you and me, we the same. We're both extranjeros. We're both foreigners. And I was talking about having a citizenship in heaven. And woo, the Lord showed up. Now listen, there have been a few special services. I'm, I'd love to say every service is like that. But that service was special. And I had taken Pastor Kelvis and Nyla, my head Spanish pastor, with me. It was their first time to attend a Haitian Creole church service. They sat there in the middle with big wide eyes the whole time. Because, you know, Haitian Creole worship is a little different than the way we do it here, okay? Looks a little different, sounds a little different. Amen? Amen? <laughs> so, uh, I said, you know, welcome to... Welcome to ministry, getting out of your comfort zone. And then the, the missionary said, hey, I'm going to take all of y'all to dinner. I said, let's go. So we all get in the church van. Kelvis is driving, I'm up front. We'd taken kids and Nyla and all the kids are in the back. They jabber, jabber, jabber. Next thing I know, I'm, it wasn't audible, but man, somebody was talking to me. I was like, I looked over, Kevin's wasn't talking, everybody loud in the back. And the overwhelming presence of the Lord came to me that night and said, hey, hey, Earl, Lonnie, you need to start Haitian Creole ministry. And I, 
I, I got knocked off my high horse. Hello. And I said, but Lord, me? I, I came over here to learn Spanish. Now you want me to dip my toe into the Haitian Creole world? And it changed it all. And you know what? I'm happy to say that tonight that I'm here and I'm going to say verse 19 is in my life because I did not disobey the heavenly vision. And because of that, we are seeing seminary campuses started all over the Dominican side for Haitians. And we just started that campus in Wanamint, Haiti, across the border in Dahabon. Now, what about you? What's the heavenly vision for your life? And then if you're going to have a heavenly vision that you've got to obey, verse number 20 tells us we need a plan of action. You've got to have some action. Verse 20 says that Paul went to Damascus and Jerusalem and Judea and to the Gentiles. Listen, you can't just have hopes and dreams. You've got to have a plan of action. You know what I tell people now, as a matter of fact, out on my display table, you'll see that uh, I wrote a book called How to Become a Missionary. Oh, so you're the expert now on how to become a missionary? No. Okay, well, maybe. No. <laughs> I got a book, don't I, huh? Come on, Brother John. Show me some love. No, I had so many people coming up and asking me, you know, they're like, hey, uh, you moved to the mission field at 46 years of age, and... Uh, you left the American pastorate to do that. I, I think I want to do that. And I had so many guys ask me that. I was like, oh, I, I need to put something in writing. And so when we were on um, furlough in 2018, the Lord just gave me the words and I typed it up and uh, paid people to edit it. And, you know, there we go. But you know what I tell people now when they tell me that? Oh, I want to be a missionary. I say, no, you don't. I go, no, you don't. Then I say, you have no clue what it's like to live in a different culture, speak a different language, and deal with the elements. No, you don't. So anyway, so I had a rookie missionary, a pastor from Oregon. He was 43. He calls me up. He found me on the internet. Hey, Brother Earl, I'd like to be a missionary. I'll drive Dallas to meet with you. I said, okay. So my wife and I, we go to the restaurant three hours later. He's still talking. And... Uh, and I said, brother, you don't want to be a missionary. Then he found another missionary in the Dominican. Yeah. And he called that guy. He said, hey, do you know who this Earl Hammonds is? And my friend uh, said, yeah, I know who he is. I'm friends with him. He's trying to talk me out of being a missionary. He said, good, we should. Because if we can talk you out of it, you're not called. If any human can talk you out of a heavenly vision for your life, you're not called. Right. And always remember that when the heavenly vision comes, put the plan in action. But then number five, this is the part that gets a little difficult. Verse 21, we see the consequences of the personal call. What happened to Paul? Well, he got arrested. What happened to Paul? Well, they tried to kill him. Now, there are consequences to doing the heavenly vision. I'm not going to lie to you. I have a saying that says, that's not on the missionary brochure. There's some long, hard days in service in military. We know that with the military personnel. When I was growing up, watching the military over in Yukota, you know, 
Be all that you can be. That's, you know, that's the commercial. But the, it, it, it's, it's like, you know, it's not the sweet by and by that I need to be rescued from. It's the nasty now and now. You know what I mean? The reality is, is that there are consequences. But in the life of the Apostle Paul, even though he was arrested and tried to kill, we see that number six in the personal commission, there is protection until God is ready to call you home. Because a whole group of soldiers went in there when the crowd came up against Paul and God said, I'm not done with you yet. Now we all know that Paul eventually died. He's not here tonight, right? We know he died, right? But the reality is until God is done with you, keep obeying the heavenly vision for your life. Pastor Rodney Fitzsimmons, the ministry partner of John Conrad and I, we were just up two weeks ago in Monte Cristi teaching in that seminary campus up there. And on Wednesday morning, two Wednesdays ago, we were supposed to cross the border from Dahabon to Wanamant and minister over there and encourage the brothers, talk to Pastor Marcelin, talk about him coming. And uh, Pastor Marcelin called us and said, don't come, the border's closed. You see the importance of the Great Commission, where uh, the missionary doesn't always have to go, but the Word of God can go. Amen. That's why we're training leaders. That's why y'all invest in the Great Commission. Because, see, there's goers and there's senders, right? Not everybody goes, but we can all send. And finally, number seven, is what is the object? of your personal commission. What, what is it? You know, it started off with the Apostle Paul and the object of the commission is in verse 23. Jesus will suffer a cruel death for the sins of humanity. Jesus will die. But three days later, he's coming back from the dead. And then it says in verse 23 that Jesus will proclaim light to the Gentiles. What about you? What is your personal commission? You know, there's other examples of personal commissions in the Bible. Noah was commissioned to save mankind from the flood. Abraham was commissioned from Ur of the Chaldees to create God's chosen people. Jacob was commissioned to Haran to marry a wife so that he would preserve the, blue, the Jewish bloodline. Joseph, the son of Jacob, in the Old Testament was commissioned to go to Egypt. Moses was commissioned to the desert and then to the court of Pharaoh. The Israelites were commissioned out of slavery of 400 years to the promised land. Daniel was commissioned to the country of Babylon. Jonah was commissioned to Nineveh, but he took an Uber called a really big fish. <laughs> Now, who are you? Don't be the Jonah. You're going to get there one way or another. But uh, obey the heavenly vision for your life.